It's the bad guys with Earl Skankel and Chad Zubak. He turns to me and he says, Why so serious? He comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And... Why so serious? All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is The Bad Guys, Volume 2, in association with Inappropriate Earl, with Earl Skankel and the Sit Down Zuma podcast, we bring you Volume 2. Earl, would you like to introduce today's guest? You know, I've practiced this uh, introduction for about two hours now, because this man has hundreds of credits, but the one that means the most to me as you guys know, I'm a big Miami Vice fan. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, it, it's going to get deeper, brother. Uh, <laughs> my personal favorite episode. Let me give you some of the cast before I get to our guest. The legendary <laughs> football player, John Matuzak, uh, Red Brown, the Indian from Predator, Sonny Landham the great Martin Ferrero, and our next guest, a man who is such a good actor that he actually made it believable that Don Johnson could beat him up. <laughs> Mr. Kim Coates in the house. Hey, man, that was done beautifully. Visor on and all. You just nailed that intro. Now, well, Kim, let me ask you something. Was that the best intro you've ever had? Sure, yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a few. That was pretty good. I'll tell you that, Chad. I mean, there's not many interviews where I can bring up Reb Brown and have a smile on my face. I know, right? Isn't that the truth? Wow. I was like 14 when I did that. That was so long ago. Holy mackerel. But that was like uh, when Miami Vice was really at its peak in 1987. Uh, how did you go about getting That's one of your first TV roles, correct? That was my first American TV role. Yeah, I'm Canadian-American, Canadian first, American second. I, I love both countries. I'm, I'm a pretty privileged boy to, to have both passports. But when I went down to uh, New York City after I was, I was doing Macbeth at Stratford, 1986, I was the youngest Macbeth ever. John Neville directed me and all these New York people saw my work and agents and managers. And they said, you got to get your ass down there right away. So I did. And sure enough, Miami Vice, I got within about a minute and a half and I paid for the lawyer. I paid for joining SAG. I think my dad, I told my dad, dad, I think I made $18 and 50 cents. And he went, that's the best 18 bucks you've ever made, son. So that's how it all started for me. And was it uh, like, did you, were you a fan of the show or was it just a gig to you? No, I was a fan of the show. Oh yeah. Come on. If you didn't like Miami Vice back then, you weren't watching TV, or you're just too busy doing other things, I guess. But so when you show oh, up, yeah. you see uh, Don Johnson and Philip Michael Thomas, are you starstruck? You're like, oh my god, I made it! I no. did it! 
I'm a Canadian. No. Nothing. No, I wasn't starstruck, but I was so in it, man. I, I had what two little scenes. My big one was in the bar and not too many people know this, but I'll tell you guys the story when I, uh, yeah, when I did that bar scene and, and we didn't rehearse it that much and Don Johnson was, was polite and fine with me and I just stayed away from him because I knew he didn't like my character and so I was just in it and all of a sudden it came time for him to push me up against the wall, right? Well, he pushed me up against the wall and I, 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 I cracked my head open, um, got five stitches, kept going, did the scene a wow. couple of times. Yeah, they put a, you know that Band-Aid, that liquid Band-Aid that they put on your head or your hands? They slapped some of that liquid bandit on me, and I thought, wow, this is going to be a good story someday. So, yeah, Johnson Johnson smacked my head against this little speaker. If you look at it, it's funny because it's right below this speaker that was on the wall, you know, in those old bars back in the day. And there was like a little two-by-four, and my head just smacked right up against it, and I didn't complain. I took it like a true, a true Canadian would, man, and just kept on going. <laughs> Now, uh, what do you enjoy uh, more, doing films or TV? Because you started with Vice, well, you started with The Boy in Blue, and then you, you kind of did both. Yeah, I mean, I, I can honestly say that I, I, came from, I came from the stage, really. I mean, that's where, it all, that's where it all started with me, being on Broadway and Macbeth and Dracula in Atlanta, Ladies on Donjou in Louisville, Kentucky, and, and, and the whole thing took off when Marion Doherty discovered me for the last Boy Scout in 1991. So it was all film. Once I started films, bro, I don't know. It's, it's all changed now. Thank goodness. I mean, TV is when TV is good, it's it's the best. You know, Can like I bring something really, up right now. Yeah. You yeah. and Earl were in the same film called The Last Boy Scout. Earl, can you explain? Well, uh, let's just put it this way. My role was a lot smaller than Kim's. I played one of the football players. I was an extra, basically, but I rocked. Dude, the shit out are of you that. are you are you are you a player? Did you play? I played at Notre Dame High until I saw black kids my age, and then I was like, "Where are the golf tryouts?" <laughs> that was it. That was it. That's all you had. <laughs> wow, but you were I, in that. You were in that movie. Were you at LA Stadium then? Were you at the stadium? Were you? Yes, you I was. And I just remember meeting Bruce McGill, who's uh, along with you, one of my favorite actors. And I was like, "Hey, it's D-Day from Animal House." And he's like, "You know, I've done <laughs> other things." That's so cool. Yeah, what a dick. But I love that guy. That's funny. <laughs> I've done Another, lots of other uh, things. Let the people have their little compliment. Let them have their compliment. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of, yeah, I know. Like people come up to me all the time. We'll get into it. But Sons of Anarchy, obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty. But I still, when people recognize me from countless other things, I, and when they say Sons, I go, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Well, I mean, you've done so many things. It, it's uh, and so is Bruce McGill. You know, he's like yeah. By, yeah, by the way, Earl and I have been texting all day. Your IMDb. You've done everything. You're good. You, Rumor yeah, has I mean, it, right, boys? I, I don't know. Like, I've got over 140. I looked today myself. And I don't know where I don't know what happened. I guess it's been a pretty good run. That's a Ron Perlman. Have you talked to Perlman? He's been on your show yet, Chad? Ron Perlman? He hasn't, you know, we we we've only done two of these series. It's it's uh it's it's Vernon's or I'm sorry, Earl and I's podcast. And we had Vernon Wells, he was our first guest. For the bad guy series, we have a series. Are you familiar with Vernon Wells? Yeah, you are our second guest with it's our amazing. combined podcast. We like we our favorite bad guys, and you're one of them. 
It's good. I'm glad I made that cut. That's very impressive. <laughs> you guys are obviously a lot smarter than you look. I think that's amazing. Uh, don't let looks fool you. I'm, <laughs> I'm dumb as a rock. I can't even follow the uh, plot line of Porky's. Uh, <laughs> hey, Kim, I want to tell you right now, we're both comedians. Uh, Earl is a past paid regular at the comedy store when you could go see comedy in L.A. Oh, that's great, man. That's so, so we're yeah, like I've... comics, and we, we love film, and we love this whole. So this is a, a huge honor to have you on. How are you guys doing about the, without the comedy and the stand-up right now, boys? I mean, is it killing you? Like, really, what's happening? I mean, it's pretty rough. You know, it, it's uh, it's a rough business mentally when we can do it. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so it would be like, I guess you couldn't act if, if we said, hey, you guys stay home the next eight months you know you're a working actor and like it's uh no but if it. i may if if i may earl i think it's even worse because stand-up is like theater it's like musicals it's like people need to pack in and i can still i mean i'm, I'm doing a big thing in toronto right now and, and with masks on and shields and has we're, 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 we're filming people are getting back but stand-up and live theater and broadway it's so fucking sad um it's gonna come back but it's gonna take a while that that that's the difference you know oh for sure i mean i did a, a few shows last weekend with uh, rob schneider and we were love him the, oh he's the best like he's if everyone were like him in the entertainment business i wouldn't be so bitter uh i know right i know right i know right he's like, the best man he's good what'd you, what'd you do was it a oh, virtual thing did, uh, Stand up in uh, Irvine, which is a, I'm, well, you're from LA, so you know where Irvine is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, it was in a parking lot of a baseball field. And no way. That's amazing. People were wearing masks, and but you could literally see. Amazing. The oh, I, the front row was crying, not because of my act, but uh, <laughs> just because they were so. So happy. Yeah. They were like, me and Chad are right now. I mean, I'm getting to talk to Tig, man. This is pretty cool. No, it's great. No, it's great. Good for you. That that really that brought some goosebumps. You telling me that story. I think that's that's amazing. And there's gonna be a lot more of those days coming up. I hope. Uh, you know, I know Chad's killing it in Florida, which is a little more open than uh, California for sure. So. Florida, uh, the bastard stepchild, little Florida man. I don't know. <laughs> I was living. Hey, hey, Kim. I was in L.A. I, I, I called it quits. I'm out. Entertainment beat me up. I'm out, and I moved to Florida right before this pandemic hit, just because I was done. I couldn't handle it. For so a guy like you, you won Hollywood. You're, I mean, look at your IMDb. You, you beat the system. You're in the system. I mean, how does that make you feel? Uh, you know, pretty good, um, <laughs> bro. I mean, I was so naive. I'm not kidding you guys. Like, I was just this tough kid who stumbled into theater, who stumbled into Stratford, who stumbled into on Broadway, Streetcar Named Desire. I was the eighth Stanley ever. I took over for Aiden. What's Quinn. your nationality, by the way? Are you Italian? I'm not. I'm English, Scottish, and Irish, really. My mom and dad are all from, yeah, no. But I play a few Italians. I play a few Greeks with my blue eyes somewhere, wherever they are. Um, no. Yeah, yeah, Earl. Yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't have an Italian, but I feel like I'm Italian. Fuck, I get cast and it's enough Italians for sure. But no, well, because... no. So, but sorry, boys, but just to finish this off, I'm like you. I'm like anybody. I just worked really hard and 
I guess I stumbled enough times that it didn't piss me off. And there was times where I, I, I thought I, I never thought I'd, I'd quit or anything. I, I always had enough of that going, but I, I never knew if I was going to really, uh, you know, really make L.A. And it wasn't like these young kids now that come out of school and they go, oh, I'm just going to go to L.A. and New York. I'm going to I'm going to go. Don't do that. Don't do that unless you're super, super lucky or super, super beautiful or you have nepotism on your side, it's not going to work for you. Stay in Seattle, stay in Baltimore, stay in Tampa Bay, get to know people, do little, little, little on your iPhone, make little movies, take classes, take stand-up. Yes. I mean, listen, listen to you guys and your, your background in comedy and how fucking good both of you are and the business is that tough. For me, improv was my favorite shit. It's, that's why I get more movies than, I mean, I love it. My middle name is Improv, and I fucking love it. And if you're not afraid to fail, then you'll never fail. And that's that's the truth. So I stumbled into Hollywood, and they accepted me. And and you know what, boys? Like honestly, I didn't I didn't give a fuck. Like I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> I I I. That's I, encouraging, I, I man. I wasn't worried whether it was going to work or not. But it wasn't until Black Hawk Down in 2000, right? That film. That's when my core of like William Fickner, Ewan McGregor, Eric Bana, they're my boys. We talk every day and there's something about doing a war movie like that for five months in a robot back when the world was the way it was in 2001, that those relationships have stayed with me forever. So I don't need to live in Hollywood, man. I, I work there, you know, that's awesome. Hey, oh. you, were, you were in prison break. You win. What was my name? Sullins, I think. I played a guy I'll called tell Sullins. tell you what his name is. Uh, Richard Sullins. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, Sullins. Yeah. I had short <laughs> hair like you, Earl. I wish I was as funny as you are back then. Yeah, there you are. You're I like mean, the younger version of me, man. There you are. That's it. Well, maybe uh, in the Mayans, I could be uh, Tig Jr. You can be whoever you want. Good luck with that. That's a fucking crazy shit. So, Earl, when did you come uh, across Kim Coates? Like, what was your, like, whole thing with him? I swear to God, it was from Miami Vice. And, yeah, uh, it's great. It's great. It, it really is my favorite episode because, uh, obviously, I don't want to take this to a sad level, but I was a huge Goonies fan, and uh, John Matuzak was, like, you know, I'm sad he passed so early. Yeah, and, yeah, really too bad. And, you know, Big Wednesday is a, uh, although I'm not a surfer, it's one of my favorite movies. Just We had William Cat. We talked to William Cat from Big Wednesday. And Red Brown yeah. was in that. Yeah. You know, uh, Indian from Predator, Sonny Landham. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, I, so that's where I knew him. And then I saw him, I mean, in Last Boy Scout, uh, CSI Miami, where he's like a good looking, I mean, you're good looking now, but you're like clean cut. <laughs> He's I'm very good looking. Yeah, he's engaged very good to looking. a nice lady, by the way. Way to go, oh, Good for you. I mean, your, career, your career, Kim, is going so well that you did a profitable hockey movie. That's rare. Hey, man, that first one was amazing. Michael Doss, who directed that. You guys know Michael Doss. He's a funny fucker. And we had everybody. Jay Baruchel, Liam Schreiber, Liam Schreiber, and Scott. I'm William Scott. I mean, honest to God, we had so much fun on that, on that freaking movie. And it was a hockey movie. And I'm Canadian, played hockey my whole life. And when someone said, when my agents called up and said, they've offered you the head coach, first thing out of my mouth was, what, they don't think I can play anymore? Just because I'm 48 years old, I can't, can't play anymore. And Michael Dodd said, yeah, you might be a bit old to, to be on the team, but you sure can coach. And God, that was fun, man. Oh, fuck. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a huge hockey man, and I know the actual story. Uh, you know, that's based on a uh, Doug yeah. Smith, who was good for you. Good for you. A, uh, a bar brawl, a bar bouncer uh, who could fight. He could barely yeah. skate, and yeah. uh, I'm just amazed at. Was it weird, like, you know, like hockey is kind of like surfing, I guess, where, you know, it's a niche sport? Uh, you, you know, I don't think so. I mean, yes and no. I mean, hockey is much bigger than surfing, I think, in a way, in the world, for sure. Europe is crazy for hockey. Canada, that, that's our national sport. But Sean William Scott, who played Dougie's part, lead of the movie, he just thought he could kind of show up and just be on skates. And, and someone forgot to tell him, bro, you got to get on skates for three months before you come and play on this semi-pro team, the Halifax Highlanders. And so he was freaked out when he first got here. His double was so amazing. Looked just like Sean from behind, from the side. He did three quarters of, of the skating in that movie. But all the fighting Sean William did himself, man. I was proud of him. And he's such a funny guy. He's such a sweet boy. Um, a lot of fun. To uh, portray. Trey, the coach, has, uh, you know, you reminded me a little bit of John Brophy, who was a Toronto Maple Leafs coach, uh, you know, and I know that since you're from a Saskatoon, maybe a little Wendell Clark. Uh, little, little Wendell Clark, man. Kensington, Saskatchewan. Yeah, those were the days. John Tortorella is actually I who, I, who I based the character on, you know. I got to talk to John one time on the phone. You know, I talked to a couple of other coaches and did my little homework and, uh, He's he's a great great solid hockey man. I love him to death. Oh, he's uh, probably my favorite coach to see do the post game interview because yeah. uh, he yeah. gives... he, he'll he'll fuck it up and he tells the truth and that's it. He gets cut. He gets bleeped all the time. Uh, can I swear on this? Am I? Fuck am yeah. I... Okay. What, what do you think? We look like we just fell off an amber. <laughs> Like, do you do a lot of research for, like, let's say, Sons of Anarchy, where I love the casting of that show because... Earl, can I stop you before Sons of... Because we're going to talk about Sons... It's going to happen. Please. I want to know now... Yeah. <laughs> now, Earl loves hockey. Who was the guy you roasted? Who was the roast guy, you, the hockey player you roasted? He was the only player to ever play 21 years with the same team. It was Shane Doan, who uh, I believe was from Western Canada. Shane Doan. Yeah, I know Shane Doan. Why do I know Shane Doan? Uh, well, he's well, they played in Winnipeg, I think, his first season or two, and then they moved to the Arizona. Jets. They uh, went to the yeah. Coyotes. Yep, yep. Shane and Doan. Then, yeah, man. You roasted him? What do you mean you roasted him? Like on your so, show? Kim, here's you the thing about here's the thing about Earl. He's um Comedy Central used to have a thing called Roast Battle, and he was like the roast battle guy. He started Roast Battle at the comedy store. Jeff Ross put it the Comedy Central. And then Earl became uh, like, yeah, yeah. The first season, like he beat Jimmy Dore, everybody, and he roasted all these famous people. And I know, you know, hockey in Canada, and I know that situation. So that's why I want to give this assist to Earl. Was that was that was that fun, Earl? Was that like great? Like, did you get some punch back? Like, what happened there? I mean, it was amazing to uh, on the dais. The roast dais with me was a guy by the name of George Larocque. Who, he's my he's my boy. Whoa! Oh, he, oh no, George George is my boy. He got he got COVID. Did you know that he was very yeah. serious? Yeah, he's okay now. He's all right. But uh, we were talking. Yeah, he's uh, uh, that guy. Knowing it has a bigger heart than him. Go ahead. No, I mean I've never seen a three hundred and fifty pound vegan before. So uh, 
Um, no, and his 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 hands, as you know, are the size of your head and your shirt and your neck. Like and I have George's a big head. George, and you have a big head. George's hands are like that that big. They're they're big. Well, he, yeah, was, he was so nice. Um, yeah, sweetheart. You know, yeah, real sweetheart. I just I mean, walked up. I walked up to him and I said, "Hey, it's an honor to meet you, Venus Williams." And uh, <laughs> we uh, took it from there. No, and it went really well from there. I can imagine. Um, oh, he was—he was very nice. Bob Probert, Wendell Clark. I mean, these guys who are like some of the toughest fighters in the history of the NHL. You know what? They're all fucking nice guys. They're all kind of teddy bears and then they lose it on the ice. They, they lose it on the ice and they have to, I think they have to, you know, retreat and they're always sore. They're taking painkillers half the time. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's a very uh, respectable, but not champion position to be a tough guy in, in the NHL, like a real goon. And George was better than that. Bobby Probert was certainly better. Wendell Clark was way better than that. But if you can duke it out and you bash your fists around, your face around like that for game in and game out, you got to have a special heart to get through that night, night in and night out, I think. Oh, I think it's probably the toughest job mentally in, in sports just because uh, it's like a mob hitman. They're forced to All fight. The time. You know? If yeah. you don't fight, we got 10 guys in Moose Jaw who will fight. So yeah, no, that's so true. <laughs> go out and fight Derek Bugard, who was 6'8". That's right. You know. That's right. So, uh, yeah, no, I was really happy that you made a hockey movie and, and such a great cast. And uh, thanks, yeah, we did. We did two of them. We did another one. Jay Baruchel directed the second one. It wasn't quite as uh, received like the first one, but it was still just as much fun. So glad I was in both of them. Oh, Jay did a fantastic documentary. It's a bit sad because it's, it's. I think it's called uh, Hockey Enforcers. I believe it's on Netflix. It is. You're right. I haven't seen it, but I hear it's great. It's pretty sad, it, though. It's really amazing. It's it's kind of sad where some of these, you know, like Probert, you know, where I know, I know, uh, he ended up. And uh, but uh, let's get to happier talks, Kim. I don't want to just bring I'm you ready. down. I'm ready. So you go We're from '87 to, I mean, where it all broke out. Go ahead, Earl. I mean, I, you know, we could talk Battlefield Earth. I mean, we could like. <laughs> We don't have to. We can we can move over that if you like. No, we no, have my, to talk that. We have to talk right. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> my friend Jay wrote it. Believe me, he would like us to move on. <laughs> like, what was it you know, like doing that, that? That that fucking movie, man. Like, honest to God, there was no way near as bad as people said it was. It had no shot. It was produced by a Jew. It was directed by a Buddhist. It was starring a Scientologist. Barry Pepper's a Christian. Forrest Whitaker, like me, is just a wacko spiritualist. I mean, we had the greatest non-religion fucking people working together, a great DP. We shot it all in Dutch, all with the green background. It was so weird. But honestly, bro, the script needed to be better. No, no offense, but it needed to be better. And everyone tried so hard and we had, they had behind the scenes photographers coming on set, taking behind the scene pictures and putting them out there and all those shit fucking magazines. And, you know, we opened at $3 and 22 cents. We had no shot. And the movie, it's too bad because parts of that movie weren't 
weren't Oscar material, but parts of that movie were pretty freaking good, man. So it was kind of too bad to see. I mean, what's it when you're on a film like that and it, it's, do you have a sense that this might bomb? And yeah. I'm really is not. Chad, is Chad laughing his head off right now? Is that him in the background? Is that yes. Him? Yeah, <laughs> good. Good. There he is. Don't, don't mute it. Don't mute no, it. We're not you're killing. You. You're killing. You're killing. As a comic, you're killing right now. <laughs> no, I really. Sorry, like, Earl. No, I'm not giving you shit. Like, I, I mean, like when you're in a movie that I, I guess you could say that movie bombed, but it's got a great cast. Is there a feeling in the middle of filming that it may bomb or do you hope for the I'm best? Gonna, I, I'm going to be really fucking honest with you guys, like 100%. When they offered me that film, I was the fourth guy cast. I heard it was John Travolta. Oh, wait, Battlefield Earth. Oh, wait, L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, fuck. Scientology, man. I know nothing about it. I don't want to know anything about it. I just, I've got Kim Coates, you know, my family. I'm good. Whatever people want to believe in, let them just don't be, just be kind. Be nice to one another. Don't be a fucking idiot. So I'm, I'm thinking, do I need, do I need to read the book? Um, you know, and then I go, someone tells me, you know, it was on the bestsellers list for like three or four years, like New York bestsellers list, for, like in the early 80s. It was, so I'm going, well, that's it. And then all of a sudden I hear, Barry Pepper's doing it. I'm going, I like Pepper. And then I hear Forrest Whitaker signed on. I'm going, no way. How do I? And then they offer you the kind of money they offered me. Of course, I'm going to do this fucking movie. I mean, of <laughs> course, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm not, I'm not playing anything that I wouldn't, like, I don't do pedophile. I don't do any fucking, I don't, I don't do that shit. This wasn't that. Now, Carlo did have to learn to drive a, a fucking F-18 in about a week and a half. I'm not sure how, how that was based on any kind of reality, but I didn't care. It was a sci-fi movie. I got to hang with, a, I got to fly in Travolta's plane. I had a great time. And then the movie just fucking bombed. And that was really too bad. <laughs> I mean, just, when, that when that happens, you just say, fuck it and move on to the next project or do you stew on it a little bit? Oh, I didn't stew two minutes because... You know, I, I knew we were, we, were, we were done the day before we opened in Las Vegas. A couple of reviews came out. They liked me, they liked Barry Pepper, and boy, did they hate everything else. And I thought, well, <laughs> I, guess we're not gonna make, I guess we're not going to make that back-end deal that I signed. I guess, that's, <laughs> I guess that's out the fucking window. Oh, come on, you guys. You guys know that's like 2000, like 1999. Like, I was... I'd already had three movies in the can by then. And they're all cut. And then Black Hawk Down was right at Pearl Harbor right after that. So I don't, you know, all the good and all the bad, as long as there's no ugly, I can't stand ugly. If someone gets ugly, I'm going to fucking knock you out. There's no <laughs> ugly. You can be bad. You can be good, but don't be ugly. I'll fucking knock you out. Well, when you say ugly, you don't mean physical looks. You mean be difficult no. to work with. Yeah. Being difficult, being a yeller and a, an abuser on set or being, you know, you're, oh, oh woe is me, you're prima donna. I'll fucking knock you out. That's what I mean. God damn, Kim, funny I'm going through your IMDb. I'm like, I mean, you, you've been in every fucking movie. You've been in everything. <laughs> Jesus. You should be my agent. I didn't know that. Really? Wow. Okay. That's great. <laughs> Trust ahead, me, you don't, you don't want Chad as your agent. You'll be working, <laughs> you'll be working at Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater in Tampa. <laughs> Well, oh, I love it. I've got to say, like, you know, uh, my favorite guilty pleasure TV show in, in terms of suspension of disbelief was Stephen Boschko's Blind Justice, which was about 
a New York street cop loses his eyesight and he's still allowed to carry a gun. Uh, I, I'm not sure what drugs were on that set, but. Boy, I don't either. I don't know that show. I, I, well, I it lasted about four, four episodes. I mean, it was. Okay. But a show along, came along called Prison Break. Yeah. Which replaced Blind Justice in my heart. Uh, <laughs> can you talk about your experience on that show? Because that show is like almost fantasy. In terms of the yeah, plot. man, I I didn't, you know, I I actually uh, was up for a part uh, called Teabag, who became a regular. Um, Robert Robert Nepper. Uh, Robert Nepper played that part. I was up for that. I, I read it and I said, no, it's not for me. I don't want to do that, but that's fine. I wish them well. And then a couple years, maybe one year goes by. Yeah, second year, I get a call from my BFF, Bill Fickner, William Fickner, great actor. Incredible actor, Black Hawk Down, done a million things. He was the one of the leads on, on Prison Break. They wanted to bring his character in to play this cop who was kind of high on drugs all the time. And they, they were going to break out of prison and they were going to have Malone chase these guys, right? So Fickner goes, Coatsy, like, do I do this thing? And I go, fuck yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and so he goes, well, if I'm doing it, can you? And I go, you know, if there's a part, well, sure enough, about halfway through that season and they moved from Chicago where they filmed the first season. They filmed the second season in Dallas. And so I get this call about halfway through and they said, there's a three or four show arc with this, with this guy, this special force or special ATF guy who's going to come in and, and make, make it really hard for Bill Fickner. And I said, done, I'll do it for free. Anything that I can fucking bust my buddy and make it hard for him. I'm in. We had a blast. We had a blast. Well, let's get back because I find it interesting that uh, you auditioned originally for the role of Teabag. Uh, no, I did. I didn't audition. I, I oh, refused I thought... to. No, I didn't. I didn't. They, they asked me to just think about it, take a couple of meetings. And I said, no, it's not for me. It's the part I don't want to play. So I didn't even go through the process at all. Oh, okay. Um have you turned down roles because you just that were similar to that like you just didn't like the character and you just like I've, no turned, I, I've, I've been lucky enough or else to turn down a lot of stuff you know a lot of stuff that for whatever reason it wasn't right or i didn't like the the writing but it's always about the writing it's always about the writing mostly uh battlefield earth i guess disproved that a little bit but <laughs> it's not quite always about the writing but it's it's mostly about the writing and i've said i've said no to a lot of things but uh yeah, I, I, I'm in a good place. I've had a pretty good run. I get to say, you know. So, Kim, let me ask you this real quick because we all, we even like being in Hollywood. I've met my heroes. I've got to meet all of them and interview them. What was your oh shit moment? Like, I can't believe this is happening. What was the moment that you remember right now? I, I, I have to say, and this Earl, this has to do with you. It it, yeah. it was it yeah it does it has to do with you and me in, in a movie called uh, the Last Boy Scout true 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 story I I thought I, I I thought I'd fucked it up forever I thought I would never work in Hollywood ever again I I Marion Doherty who exploded me when she saw me on stage in Broadway and Last Boy Scout the late Tony Scott who I loved so much and I, I met I, him ah uh, wow. Yeah. Was he crazy? Did he have a cigar? Did he have his pink hat on? Like it was very, was very it? brief. He it was very memorable for me, but forgetful for him. 
<laughs> was it at a club? Was it at a, you know, like, where was it? It was on actual movie set. We were, uh, my friend TJ Miller was in a movie with him and he introduced oh, fuck me it and, and he just kind of like more or less introduced me and it was very passing, but I was like, I'll remember this forever. Yeah. He's, he's an amazing guy. So, so sad what happened to him. But, uh, anyway, I'm in LA. I auditioned for Chet or whatever my name was on that movie. And I think it was Chet. And anyway, I, I, I Joel Silver in his Hawaiian shirt is sitting there. We're in Hollywood. We're in the Warner Brothers lot. And I get the part. And it was good money. And I just couldn't believe it. And my first day of set, first day, was the little scene I had with Damon Wayans where I, I punch him by this, this newspaper stand. And I knock him out. And I go, football play doesn't look too tough. Boom. And I remember putting on my clothes and my shoes. And I said to the... And I'm in like a room, like the size of a, a bathroom. I have, I have, I have Kim who Kim cut what, who I'm in a little honey wagon. If that sharing it, I think I shared it with some guy. It was, it was really bad, but I, I put these clothes on and the shoes were so slippery. The shoes were so slippery. They were like so slippery. And I remember going to the head costumer and saying, these shoes are, and they go, they go just put some Coca-Cola on the bottom, scrape them on the pavement. There's nothing we can do about it. And I went, all right, so I go to the head stunt guy and I go, hey, just nothing for nothing. His shoes are really simple. He goes, ah, fine, we're fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. We do the scene and sure enough, it comes time for the punch. We reverse the punch and Damon's got sunglasses on and we do it a few times. And it's all good and everyone's watching. Willis isn't there, just Joel Silver and Tony and a thousand other people. And it was a hot day in LA and over an overpass. And I just remember Tony going, okay, it's fucking great. It's great. We got that. We got that. It's great. It's great. Now, one more. <laughs> one more. Just go. Just go. Really go. We got it. Just fucking go, Kim. Something really go. All right. So we go and get ready to set up. I punched him right in the face. <laughs> I, my back foot slipped and my fist went right into his glasses. Damon falls down. I pulled the punch a bit. Obviously, I didn't really. But I anyway, I hit him. Right. Glasses come off. And I really did. I saw my whole my whole career like I see out of the corner of my eye. Like I went down and people came around and pushed me back. And the stunt guy came by right away and goes, wasn't your fault, man. Wasn't your fault. Those fucking shoes. Those fucking shoes, man. And so I just was so appalled. Anyway, Joel Silver, Tony Scott, they're all coming. And you know what happened? Damon Wayne stood up and he said, I'm good. I'm good. No problem. Accidents happen. And I fucking remembered that, man. I remember that for the rest of my life. Shit happens. Stuff goes down. And if you're a man about it, and if you're okay, you do exactly what Damon Wayans did. And, and I, I just, I gave him a hug, and I, I learned a lot that day, man. I really did. Wow. That's, I, I'm going to go and watch Last Boy Scout again. <laughs> oh, it's a fun, it's a fun little scene. But that's not... That's not the big scene, eh, Earl? The big scene's where I get to knock Willis out. The cigarette falls out of his mouth. And I remember going to the, the Canadian premiere. I was filming in Toronto. And Warner Brothers called and said, would you go to the Toronto theater for the big opening on a Friday night? I said, sure. And I'm sitting there in the audience like everybody else was packed. And this guy's at the front, like you, or all look just like you. He's down at the front. He's got the mic. Very good-looking guy. And he goes like this. All right, so we got a very special thing tonight. we got one of the... One of the lead actors of the movie, Canadian. He's here to say hi, Kim Coates. No one knew who the fuck I was. <laughs> I go to the front and I say, well, first of all, a couple of things. Number one, I'm not the lead actor in this movie. Number two, um, if you 
like Bruce Willis, you're going to really love this film. And if you don't like Bruce Willis, you're still going to really love this film because I knocked the fucking shit out of him. <laughs> and everybody, so I went back and sat down and sure enough, that big scene, man, when I came on, all the heads would turn around. Where's that guy? Where? There he is. Anyway, pretty funny. Earl, did you go to the last Boy, uh, Boy Scout? Re, uh, the whole the premiere? Did you go? Uh, let's just say I wasn't on the invite list, Mr. <laughs> Coates, to be honest with you. All right. You never know. I think I went to the porno theater next door and thought I could. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I don't know who still sees porn in the theater, but hey, to each their own. <laughs> Fuck, I remember how did you, anyway, go ahead. Um, have you ever turned down a role you regretted? Oh, you know, I'm sure <laughs> I have, but I, I don't really remember now, to be perfectly honest. Like a movie like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something? Something like that, yeah. I'm sure I, I don't, you know, I don't remember. But I do remember seeing who got a part that I didn't get and going, oh, that guy sucks. Or, oh, that guy was fucking good. Like, I, I like having a reaction. Either the guy just didn't, or, or the guy was really good. I, I like that even more when they're really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. No, I had a friend of mine who uh, auditioned for the Bobby part in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, and he, yeah. he really did look just like uh, Mark Mark Boone Jr.? Wow. But he wow. Just, you know, he, I don't know. He's like, I would have been better. I'm like, I don't know about that, dude. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Wasn't that funny? We can talk about Sons now if you guys like. I mean, that yes, was pretty, well, okay, pretty Let me do this right now. Because 87, you got Miami Vice. You did this. Go IMDB him. Follow him on Twitter. Everything. But now you... You're the guy on Sands of like, how does that like how happen? How do you feel like which what's everything your emotions from that? It was just one of those things where my wife, God, God bless my wife. I mean, we've been married for 34 years. It's almost a record in Hollywood. She put up with all those rough years and good years and rough years and good. I mean, she really did because I kept going. I don't want to be a regular on a TV show. I just want to keep doing my movies. I don't want that in the mid nineties, late nineties, the early two thousands. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sons of Anarchy comes along and it was just a part that I, I got really lucky to get and they really wanted me. And I said, yes. And I said to Diana, my wife, here we go. And seven years, I mean, you guys know this, you guys knew this before me, I'm just an idiot. I had no idea of the power of television. When you're on, when you're on a fucking show like that. And remember when we opened, it was only like, it was The Walking Dead. It was Breaking Bad. It was uh, Mad Men. It was Us. It was the Game of Thrones. I mean, for cable, cable, we, 12 million viewers a week. I mean, we were, we were killing it. And I had no idea. I had no idea of the, I, before I was, oh, you're that guy. Then I became Kim Coates, Chad, you know, like everyone knew who I was and it was an adjustment, but I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that opportunity to be in a place where we can afford to put, you know, Brenna, she's going to be a bigger star than me, that kid, NYU Tish Acting Academy. She's not going to NYU if her dad's not on Sons of Anarchy, you know? Like, we're just not going to go 70 grand a year in debt. We're just not going to do that. So I don't know. I just, it was the right time and the, the stars aligned and and getting back to what Earl said about the, his buddy who read for Bobby, I really think, I mean, come on, 
those 10 leads, we had 10 leads, you know, two women, eight guys, all the guest stars, all the recurring. What, Wendy O'Brien, who cast that show, how amazing were all of us in what we got cast as? Like, what a bunch of gnarly fucking faces. Charlie was beautiful. We'll give Charlie the beautiful <laughs> card. But the rest of us were just Tommy, scars for days. Booney, 400 pounds, but amazing. Ryan <laughs> Hurst, like me with my freaking nose and my, I didn't even know what, you know, what the Hells Angels were. I mean, I did, but I don't know, man. I just thought that they all knew what they were doing. And we got real lucky with that show. It was so good. Well, I think that's what was one of my favorite parts was the almost oddball casting of, um, you know, like I know Scott Glenn was the original. Uh, oh, wow. You, you know, I love that. You know this shit, man. That's that's so cool. Well, it's called being a stand-up comic, Kim, and having about 20 hours of free time a day. Uh, <laughs> I want to be you when I come back around Mother Earth. I want to be you. Well, I'd like to be you so we can switch. <laughs> so now. we can swap. Okay, good. Uh, good. But I, I, hope mean, it, like, I, hope, I hope it feels good to know how many times we've, we've Googled you today, both of us. Embarrassing. We've Googled you a Embarrassing. lot. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the casting, like if you were... And maybe I wouldn't be a good casting director, but if you said, uh, like, I could kind of see Scott Glenn as, as the leader of a, a biker gang because he's weathered, and I mean this in a in a nice way, he's kind of weathered and tough looking. But if you were to say to me that Ron Perlman would be the leader of a basically Hell's Angels gang and Charlie Hunnam would yeah. be the, at basically a model looks and have that work and, and have you who, you know, I think it was just coming off of CSI Miami has pretty clean cut. Clean cut. And uh, I, I would have, this isn't going to work. There's, and no. it was an amazing cast. Uh, like, it, yeah. you guys seemed like you were having, it's weird for someone to watch a show and you guys seemed like you had fun. We had a ton of fun. And for the people on your incredible podcast that don't know this, they shot the pilot without myself and Ron Perlman. They shot wow. the pilot wow. with, there was a, there, Tig, Tig didn't exist, but Emilio Rivera played the part of the kind of bastardized sergeant at arms for the club. And he is Latina and he's an incredible actor. And they, they realized, hang on a second, what are we doing here? We want the Mayans, hang on. And then Scott Glenn, unfortunately, it wasn't his acting. His acting was amazing, but there was no chemistry between him and Katie. There was just nothing going on. And so John Langraff at FX said, we're gonna push all the chips in the middle of the table. We're gonna spend 1.2 million. We're gonna reshoot the pilot. We gotta get somebody, that was me. We gotta get somebody, that was Ron Perlman. And we shot 15 days of the pilot again. Kept some sequences, changed others. And that was John Langraff going, the whole studio, uh, not money-wise, but awards with The Shield. The Shield was amazing for FX. Then they started doing some really cool shit, but Sons of Anarchy put them over the, over the finish line, and that's what really uh, really blew them over the top. And we were, yeah, we were pretty lucky. That, that show, it's one of the only shows in the history of television, I've been told, that never, ever went even or down. It just went up the whole wow. seven years. It just kept going up. Well, I, I think it was, and I'm just an idiot fan, Mr. Coates. Uh, we love idiot fans, Earl. <laughs> I'm sure you do. We've, and we got a lot of them, so you're all right. We're, you're well, okay, I'm king of the idiots. idiots. We're all idiots. <laughs> but the bad guys on that show each season were so good, and like Billy Brown was amazing, and and uh, yeah, man, 
and you know Harold uh, Perrineau, I think you said. Yeah, H- Harold Perrineau. Yeah, he he played Pope. Man, he was my. He, we were the whole fifth season, him and me. I mean, that was um, that was some pretty tough shit to do with him. Yeah, pretty was tough. there was there ever a chance that you know because in that scene where you guys uh, kill him, I mean, you almost died. Was there ever uh, a chance of them killing you uh, in that season? All I know is from the beginning of five, six, and seven, Kurt Sutter would tell us of the leads, you're going to die this year. (laughs) So Ryan Hurst was told (laughs) he's going to die. And I remember reading the scripts, my daughter dies, burns in front of me. That was so hard and harrowing. And then Opie dies, we're in prison. That was so fucking sad and crazy. And I remember going, I'm reading the scripts. I'm going, do I fucking die? Like... Why didn't he tell me that I so I knew I wasn't going to, but it sure it sure made it look as if Tig had had, had bought the bullet there in the last couple of episodes of season five. It really looked like it was his time, but it was Pope. Funny story. So when when Harold gets cast, I was a big fan. He was a big fan of mine, but we couldn't talk to one another. We refused (laughs) to talk to one another. We just like we didn't have even when we rode in the same van to go to set, we, we just wouldn't talk. Not one time. And when it was over and I plugged him and I put it right in his head and he was out and dead and he stood up and 120 people went, that's a wrap for Harold. He looked at me. I looked at him and it was like the movie 10. I ran at him. He ran at me. We fucking hugged one another. I love you, man. He goes, no, I love you more. I love you, man. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't either. I could. And it was just like that. It was just so, uh, like we got to shed <laughs> that fucking hard, hard writing and just go much respect. That's the kind of guest stars Chad and Earl we had on that show. People couldn't wait to work on Sons, man. We were pretty lucky. Well, it reminds me of uh, another uh, character you had to interact with. Uh, you know, I've seen every episode on Godly. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And I would say your introduction to the Walter Goggins character, uh, Venus Van Dam, when uh, you guys were blackmailing the like, the yeah. city council, I mean, how did yeah. you guys film that scene and not die of laughter? It's it's just for the, those of you who have seen it, you'll, this will make sense. For those of you who haven't seen it, too bad. I'm not going to explain <laughs> anything. It is what it is. When I found out that Tig, after the death of his daughter, and he's lost his way. Kurt Sutter said, there's going to be, and then Opie dies. He said, there's going to be something so crazy for you. Something so crazy. And that craziness turned out to be Venus Van Damme. And I remember hearing that Walton, and he and I were big fans of one another, was going to get, you know, get those tits on and shave his legs and just do her, her thing, his, her thing. I thought, all right. <laughs> I, I, called, I called Walton up and I said, I don't ever, ever want to see you on set when I'm on set, when you're going all through all the prosthetics and you're doing all your thing, because he's just an amazing actor and I knew he would do a lot of research. The first time I ever saw her was on that day when Tig walks in and (laughs) there she was straddling that 400 pound city council guy with a ball in his mouth. And all I knew was, I said, get the cameras rolling. That that was as real as it gets. I never saw her, him, until that moment when I walked in and that fucking camera was on me and it was, 
And uh, that was as real as it got, for wow. sure. Wow. Really cool. You guys kind of had uh, like a really sweet, romantic. Uh, it's called the love story, Earl. It's called the love story. <laughs> love story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, man, I, I had, I had, I had fucking, no, no, I get it, man. I get it. You knuckleheads are just like everybody. I get it. And no, seriously, I, I remember people coming up to me in the street going, Hey man, I'll fucking tell you straight up that that's, that's acting. That's you. You're, you're, you're a fucking good actor, man. I love Tig, but that was, whoa. That was, I go, yeah, that's right. It's called acting. That's right. What's your next question? What's your next statement? You know what I mean? So, but I'll tell you what, ah, fuck. What a, what a, what a, I think Tig was the only character who could have pulled that off, you know, like he was so whack and so lovable and so spited and then loved. And then, you know, it became him and Tommy, we became the moral compass of the club by the end. And it was the perfect, you know, for me to work with Walton. I thought if he can do that and go there, it's going to be easy for me. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Now, I don't know if you're allowed to tell us this. You can just give me a little wink in the eye if you can't, but uh, the basically uh, the follow-up show to Sons of Anarchy, the Mayans is doing very yeah. well. And uh, they have every now and then uh, some cameos, Robert Patrick uh, and, uh, Tommy Flanagan and, and uh, Rusty Coons uh, have been uh, popping up on the show. Is, is there a possibility for season three of the Mayans uh, that uh, take me? I don't think so. Michael Orenstein and DL happy. I mean, there, there, there's a bunch of, you know, Tommy and I were, were in DL in a way by the last couple of seasons. DL was such a, a pivotal part playing happy on that show, but me and me and Tommy were the two leads that, that survived. Right. So, I don't know for me, honestly, it, it would have to be good. You know, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't need to be on the Mayans. I don't want to be in the Mayans unless it's actually something from the Mayans that would make it worthy of me as Tig Traeger to go back to play that guy. Right. I wish them, I wish them all the best in the world. I, I hope it's, it's going to be huge and we'll see, right. We got a third season pickup. They're filming it right now. I'm so happy for the boys and girls on that show. I haven't seen it, but I hear it's, I hear it's great. I, I, but I have no, I have no answer to that really Earl. I, if they came at me with, we have a four show arc and monetarily and timing, it all worked out. I'd, I'd, I'd ride my bike on that show again, for sure. But it would have to be something. I have no interest in doing a cameo whatsoever. Well, all right. No, I get it. I mean, uh, I mean, I liked it. I watched it a second time and I liked it better the second time. Just oh, because, cool. Uh, I mean, your guys, it's unfair to compare it to Sons. I think. Do, you, do, you, do you know Robert Earl? Do you know Patrick? Do you know Robert? Uh, in, you in passing, uh, you know, we used to go to the Have same you chat? Have you chat? Do you know Robert? He gets us around. Do I you know never him? met Robert Patrick, but obviously I'm a fan because of T2 and everything else. So, no, I have he's not a, He's a really good guy, man. He's an original one percenter, man. I mean, he's been part of a club for a long time, and and he's just dope. He's just a giving, straight up, complimentary, good guy and a, and a really good actor. So, whatever he's on, I'm, I think he's coming to The Walking Dead. I think I read that. Anyway, oh, he's, he's doing the last season. 
I think I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been approached by the walking dead at this point? No, but it's funny when, when, when sons was over, you know, like, cause all those AMC shows, they seem to like put everybody else into them. Yeah, no, I, I remember it's a long time ago now. Sons has been over since 2014, but I remember the minute it was over, I thought, well, this is a really good opportunity to get back into movies full time. And I did, and I have, but I wasn't dying to get on another TV show, you know, like right away. And I remember they, they called about the Negan or the Reagan character. Negan, Negan, uh, Negan, Negan character. I've never seen the show here. It's you know, kind of amazing, but I've, I don't watch anything. I'm just useless. But anyway, <laughs> no, you're anyway, anyway, my boy uh, Morgan, he, he ended up playing the guy, and I'm I, I hear he's fucking great. So yeah, that never went anywhere because I just wasn't interested in doing any any TV at that at that point. But yeah, that's interesting. So where do you, where are you now? Like, where do you live? Like, what's your story? What the story is? I mean, I'm so proud of a lot of things that I've done since. I'm Godless was. You know, Scott Frank, Netflix, seven part Western. We got nominated for 12 Emmys and I was there for that. And that we won three of them. That was that was so huge and epic. And Bad Blood was my show that I co-produced with Mark Montefiore and Michael Conovis and Natalie Rodriguez up here in Canada for Netflix and City TV. We won we won them all. I won Best Actor in the show and the writing. And it never got to a third season. We, we really wished we could have finished it off. But. Netflix is a, is a tough place. They just want you to be as amazing as that show was and win all those awards. And they got you for two years. They've got all the people signed on for that. And then they move on. They just want to move on. They just want to keep going and going and moving on. So we never got a chance to finish that off, but I'm grateful for, for that show. And, and yeah, man, this, this COVID thing has got us all wigged out. And I'm, I'm just a firm believer that, that we were, uh, we're going to, it's, it's going to be a dark winter for sure. And then, Hopefully things are going to start getting better and better and better. And we'll see what happens next fall, next summer. But I'm Canadian American. So I get to hang out wherever I kind of want in either country. And I'm, I'm lucky for that and grateful. So Kim, I think my, my personal opinion, Earl's one of the funniest people I ever met my entire life. Yeah, I can tell that. He, he was I mean, passed okay. at the comedy store. <laughs> Joe Rogan brings his name up on this podcast. So can we get like, can we get Earl in a film? Can we, can you guys co-star in something? Kim, I swear I did not tell him to say this. I think you did, Earl. I think you did, but that's okay. That's all right. We work together already. You're allowed. I mean, I, I, I'm going to keep my album for you, bro. People well, love I mean, maybe, Earl. They love Earl. We, right, maybe right, we write, a, write a fucking three-hander for you, me, and chat. I'll get some hey. money for it. Come on, let's go. Write it. We'll do a hockey movie. I got a great... Can I pitch you a hockey movie I've been sitting on? Ahead. I'm going to pitch it right now. Jason Reitman came up to me once after he saw me do stand-up. He's like, do you have any ideas? I really like you. And, I'm and like, Earl oh, was shit. in the Bench Warmers. He was in the last Boy Scout. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, my IMDB has uh, got more gaps in it than, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> I got a great idea for a hockey movie. This could be it. And it's, uh, it's copywritten at the... WGA, that's the writer's guild for you guys not hip on the industry terms. <laughs> All right, hear me out. I'm, I'm listening. <clears throat> it's called Black Ice. And it's about... Now, now, listen to the whole pitch before you poo-poo it. 
It's about the first all-black hockey team to win the Stanley Cup. Now, here's how it comes about. They're a basketball team. Their wow. owner. Okay. No, no, hold no, on. <laughs> there, it gets worse. Uh, <laughs> the owner's in the mob, so he gets put in prison. So the team goes out of business. They have no job skills other than their athletic ability. So they're like, well, we can't play basketball right now. Let's play hockey. So they get their own hockey team. They can't find a coach. So they put an ad in the Canadian paper, the Saskatchewan Press. <laughs> I've heard of that place. You did pretty good there. Go ahead. Yeah. So the, the lead, the grand dragon of the KKK, he just lost his gig because he didn't fundraise enough. So he looks at this ad and goes, hockey, it's white players. It'll be great. This could be your role. I know you don't, probably don't want to play a hockey coach again. So he's talking to his wife on the cell phone. He opens up the door going, yeah, the best part about this gig is I don't have to work with any. And he opens up the door and it's all black hockey players. That's all I got. Oof. Well, your, your, your take. No, you know, like... Uh... <laughs> It's a dark comedy. Get it? I do get it. What's that? What's that? That movie that Jojo Rabbit, like Jojo Rabbit, like for Pete, it got nominated for 10 Oscars, right? If you, if you know that, that title, and then you see Hitler on the front, it's got the must, you think, oh, this is going to be, it was so funny. Did you see that movie, you guys? Like it was so funny that that's the only way this would work, I think. Um, so go for it. I mean, heck. It's all about the writing, remember, Earl? You know that. You know that. Well, you're going to write it, so I hope you know it. <laughs> okay, my people will call your people. We'll, we'll yeah. I'll be well, waiting by the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you let me know how that ring goes. You let me know if that ring ring goes. Yeah, let me know. Kim, this was an I'll amazing be. podcast. Yeah. Like, where are you on social media? Like, where can we find people? Just find Twitter. You? Just Twitter. Kim F. Coates. Kim F. Coates. Twitter. That's it. It's all I do. Everybody wants me to do everything else, and I refuse. I'm just doing Twitter, and I've got my own podcast, like you guys now. Where? Theo where? Ross. Yeah, Theo. Theo Rossi came up with this idea called Theo Re, who played Juice, right? He played Juice on Sons of Anarchy. We're best friends, and uh, and a couple of producers came up to him and said, "Why don't you and Coach do?" Well, we're reviewing Sons of Anarchy, man. We're reviewing it, and it's taking off. It's exploding. Theo Re Pod. Theory podcast, Reaper reviews. It's on every Wednesday. It's on Apple. It's on all the iTunes stuff. It's on YouTube. I mean, we're uh, what's great for Theo and I is we shot 92 episodes, 92, 13, 13 times seven, uh, and which is 91. Is that 90? It doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, the, the thing is, I haven't seen half of them. So for us to review this show, in an hour and 10 minutes, and we have so much fun, he and I, that for me to watch the show has been an eye-opener. We know absolutely nothing about the show, and we starred in it for seven <laughs> years, so it's fucking great. And people love that we know absolutely nothing other than what happened behind the scenes and everything, right? So, yeah, Theory theory uh, podcast is kind of fun. We're having a lot, a lot of fun like you guys are. Earl, you do your thing. You close it out. You do what you do. Well, I just want to say, Mr. Coates, uh, this has been amazing. Uh, it really helps. Right, right back at you, man. No, I mean, you, you get it. You're a successful actor. You could be a dick. 
you'd be like, who are these jokers? I don't know these guys. And uh, you made me a bigger fan. I don't want to kiss your ass too much because uh, you got to start writing that hockey movie as soon as this podcast is over. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that pitch. I took a shot. I, I took a shot. I missed. No, you didn't miss. You didn't miss. You just took a shot. No one knows where the shot's going to land. You don't know who's going to listen to this. Oh, My I think I always open. We'll see what happens. I think know I know. Where... Well, I mean, what if they're making a Hulk Hogan movie? So anything's possible. That's right. Exactly right. Exactly. You know, I saw Hulk Hogan's sex tape, Kim. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot like his in-ring work. Two basic moves <laughs> and a shitty finish. <laughs> right now, I'm doing jokes on the podcast. Right now, I'm bombing hey. the egg. Great. Hey, you guys. You guys are a lot of fun. Right back at you, man. Thanks for having me. Honestly. Thank you very much. It's the honor to have been all ours. Stay safe. Chat, Earl. Peace out, boys. You guys Love are great. You guys. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank all you, right, boys. guys. Follow everyone. We'll see you soon. Good night. My name is Chad Zumach. Have a great night. I think Earl's still on. Earl, are you still on? Yeah. Yes. Good night. Uh, I'm Eddie Ift. <laughs> so, inappropriate Earl, you can subscribe to right now, right? Yes, it's uh, on uh, you know Apple Podcasts. If you don't do Apple, some people do Androids. It's on SoundCloud, where it gets about six hundred listens. But hey, fuck it, I, I do it because uh, like I do it because I get to hang out with my buddy Chad. We get to interview people we like. So uh, I hope you uh, listen to both of our podcasts, Chad Sit Down Zumok, uh, and uh, you know at Earl Skakel on all social media and. Uh, uh, donate to Chad's Patreon because uh, no, that's and it, he doesn't tell me to say this, but uh, you know we do this for free for the most part. It's it's a lot of work. I'm not complaining. I won't speak for Chad, but you know it's a lot of work getting guests, getting them to commit when they probably don't know who we are. So I uh, don't have a Patreon because I just uh, I might do an OnlyFans where I sell my dick pic for ten bucks. <laughs> uh, but donate to Chad like he works his ass off, hardest working dude I know. Yeah, three bucks, fifty bucks, you know, whatever you can afford. I know times are tight right now, and uh, coming up soon, we don't know when. But uh, the bad bad guy from Cobra, you won't kill me, will you, pig? Oh my God, that's maybe a bucket list bucket list well i don't like it goes to what we were saying you know you gotta fucking get a hold of these guys first of all and then they gotta reply back to you which most don't i don't know about you but most don't most say no to me to be honest yeah. but uh you know we have our or your assistant no our friend our ashley ashley who's done amazing work but I swear to God, the guy from Cobra and William Zapka are the only guys I want to talk to. And then I'll finish the podcast. I'm good. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a limited uh, shelf run because uh, when you're looking at bad guys from the 80s, they're either dead or they don't want to talk to us. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, I don't think I'm telling tales out of sorts. Uh so uh, you know, I'd like to get the uh, the bad guy from Tango and Cash, but oh, Jack Palance, yeah. but he's Jack been dead Pallons. for fifteen years. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, that's a problem. We're not getting him. Uh, or you know, who'd be another good one, and we probably should do this off the air. But hey, th it gives people a little bonus. Is uh, Al Leong, who you might not know his name, but he was the Asian guy in every fucking eighties action movie. He was 
Endo on Lethal Weapon. You know, he's balding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know that dude. He was uh, in, uh, I mean, he was in Die Hard where he steals the candy. I uh, know exactly who you're talking about. Yes. So, uh, and of course, the two main bad guys from Die Hard are dead. But, uh, you know, maybe we could get Hart, Hart Bachner, who played Alice. You know, I don't know. Ashley Thornton, you know what to do. And uh, so, Chad, thank you, dude. This is 90% you're doing. Uh, this is your idea. So, uh, I love thank it. You. I will send this for Inappropriate Earl, which you should subscribe to and leave a five star review. And uh, Earl was part of my favorite podcast of all time, Roddy Piper's podcast. My favorite wrestler, my favorite people, my favorite comedic idol, Roddy Piper. Yeah, Piper was the best. I mean, I still have his last phone message to me. So uh, I'm not a comedian without him. I'm not. I don't care about Eddie Murphy or Dave. It's Roddy Piper. Period. I, mean, I still miss him, uh, but uh, you know these guys. Uh, well, Pat Patterson died today, so I'm sure uh, ring boys everywhere are uh, <laughs> running around. Say they can go set up the rings now and, and not get their peepees touched. Uh, well, because speaking of Piper, and it's it's ironic, you know, uh, probably one of the saddest uh, interviews I've ever seen was when they bring up. I wish I could plug the guys. Uh, it's like one of those YouTube wrestling shows, and he does a great job. Um, and there's he asked, well, well, no, there's the, my favorite one is called Hannibal TV, where he, yeah. he's amazing. Um, and I didn't know he was the guy Abdullah the Butcher gave uh, hepatitis to. Um, but uh, the other, I guess Hannibal's competitor asked Roddy about Pat Patterson and his demeanor instantly changed and you could tell something happened. And I always used to joke with Roddy about, Hey, Pat Patterson ever touch your dangling. And, uh, you know, so, uh, RIP to Pat Patterson. I'm sure you're uh, on your way to hell as we speak, but, but I, I guess if you can moonwalk or, uh, set up a good finish to a wrestling match and do anything to kids, See you, see you on the uh, red carpet. Shout out to Jeffrey Epstein. Just like Matt. <laughs> My buddy Earl. Follow Earl on everything. Earl, uh, this is awesome. I'll, I'll send this to you immediately. Yeah, I'll uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, Chad. Bye, Earl. Yeah, thank you. That's a wrap. <laughs>